1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Caddy works his way through the stoppage. Hand passes it to Martin, who has a big bang at goal. He got plenty on it. Oh. It gets there. She really had no right to kick that, but it is Dustin Martin, so powerful. Still to be won. Hampas found its way to Martin. Dance through the pack and pump through his third. Oh, he's a weapon up front. <laughs> and just like that, he's put Richmond in front. He got through the first tackle and the second. Ducking, weaving, hoping, handballing. Polak received and kicked a brilliant goal. Oh, they're going to fight this one as long and as strong as they can. Too hard for Richmond right now. They're just, they're not that interested. He runs out to his right and he hooks it at the goal front and he's done it superbly. And Taron Thomas G's up this North Melbourne crowd further. They are having a whale of a Friday night. Reese Shaw's coaching career starts with a win and a compelling one at that North Melbourne fierce, ferocious committed and victorious they down Richmond by 37 points the boys really put their best footy um, out there and um, I was really pleased with their effort it was just such a pleasing performance I, I couldn't be more proud of, of the playing group and the footy club and even though I've been here seven months I feel as I'm like embedded in this place now and I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can do the new beginning at North Melbourne offers a stunning success. How do you comprehend it? And what does it mean for the Kangaroos' short-term prospects and the aspirations of Rhys Shaw? We'll ask the man himself. Disappointed, you know, we got you know, manhandled in and around the contest, really. We lost contested ball by minus 20, lose a tackle count. In fairness, I thought North were outstanding. It was a disappointing performance, there's no doubt about that, but look, I'm confident we'll bounce back. A woeful night for the Tigers at Marvel. Is it particular to the venue or a hint of deeper issues? Basha Hawley joins us. It was a really silly action um, from Gary and everyone at Geelong's really disappointed. The Western Bulldogs have put together their hit list for this year's trade period. Isaac Smith and Jack Martin are at the top of it. I think it's coming. It makes a lot of sense if you're talking about the evenness of the competition. Well, let's give up two first-round picks to get one of the best players in the competition. Um, I think would be a travesty. There's no one to blame but myself. I've made a, a bad decision and therefore all I can do from here on in is put my head down, um, earn the respect back of the, the group, um, the club and the outside world. Was Daisy treated fairly? What would happen in a mid-season trade? The issues of the week are up for debate in the crunch. And we head to China ahead of Sunday's Port Adelaide and St Kilda encounter. This is the round 11 edition of Crunch Time. For what the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assistance across a great range. Search Honda offers and head to Subway and try the hot grilled panini. It's the first day of winter and some mysteries in football are both glorious and eternal. What happens to a team when the coach changes hands? We have the next instalment out of last night's North Melbourne. Incredible winners over Richmond and Reese Shaw to join us on Crunch Time. Jared Waitley with you. Dermot Brereton is with Morning. me. Hello, Derm. I'm very, very well. What an extraordinary uh, turn of events. 
the week was and also last night's result. So it, I know tipping's becoming top of everybody's uh, game list each week. And if you tip, you thought, oh, no, I'm one behind it. Don't worry. Everybody else tipped the same. So you're no further behind. I will say one thing. We've got the junior elite talent on out here today, the under-18 competition for uh, the, the country's best, Victoria Metro v Victoria Country. Whoever decided to disgracefully bastardise the Victorian jumpers, hang your head in shame. You don't mess with the flag. And you don't mess with a Victorian jumper. It's navy blue with a big V on it. And it is the best jumper that has ever been made. You cannot make it better. It's a disgrace. These kids don't get to play in it now. Although this is to fit in with the Sir Doug Nichols round, so they have gone the Indigenous... Thank you for letting me know that. Topics. I'll retract that statement. <laughs> we should have had that conversation before we came on. Terry Wallace, hello. Hello, Jared. Hello, boys. Uh, well, who gets to wear it? Does only the Metros get to wear the big white vest? No, no, it's, it's always green, Terry. You, you came in just fractionally after it. The Metros uh, are the normal Vic jumper and the country go white yeah, with, with the, the reverse. reverse. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep. Uh, so I apologise for that. <laughs> I just looked at it and I started to get really angry. <laughs> well, to North supporters, I mean, they'd wake up this morning just being absolutely wrapped with what they saw. Their leaders led. Uh, there was a change of game style, which we'll talk about a little bit. And uh, you know, North supporters would have known, but they found a couple of players, young players, who went to another level last night. So, yeah, it was meritorious from their point of view. They got the double banger. They got the win with the old coach on his way out the door and the win with the new coach coming in. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah, who, who pictured that? Well, and that's I just wondered, you know, because it was such a high last week at the end of the game, could they reach that height again? Well, I think they went higher. Bob Murphy, another powerful example of the psychology of the footballer. Oh, you can will always just be beyond grasp. Oh, you can say that, Jared. And good morning to you boys, Terry and Derm. I, I, that's what I, I took away from last night. I'm kind of in awe at the moment of the emotional maturity of North Melbourne. My amateur psychology, and I think we're all kind of in that game of amateur sports psychology watching the competition, it, it kind of doesn't – I can't make any sort of rational sense of how they how they won last week the way they did and how they won last night. I would have thought it was one or the other. We'd get one up and one down, but they were able to able to sort of navigate their way through physically and emotionally. It's quite impressive. But the, the, the thing that got to me, and Terry touched on it then, was you look at North Melbourne's list and you say – and people have questioned it. You know, people have said, oh, you know, they've moved on their coach. Maybe now, I think Cameron uh, Joyce has been in charge of list management for a while. And, oh, he's a bit blandish. Is it a bit the same? In the space of two and a half hours last night, <laughs> you suddenly went, yeah. you know what? They've got Davies Uniaki right. And you know what? Simpkins. Simpkins, yeah. a, a star in the, in the waiting Larky, the way he slipped around uh, Asprey for a mark, engaged him, let Asprey's body come and push against him, and then slipped him and dropped and, and stood into the drop of the ball, was something that you can you can try and teach. A that's the innate. Hours that's the innate stuff, isn't it, Dern? That's that forward yeah. innate ability of just picking up the drop of the ball quicker than everyone else around you. I agree. And, and then you had and a, then, so a, a wrecking ball of Zaha. I, I was, it was about the next one. <laughs> I thought his most exciting passage of play was when he fumbled the bounce. But the way he just took him on and, and, and ran down the boundary and he said, nah, bugger me, you've got to run me down from here. Yeah. And he bounced it 
and went to gather it, what, regather one it one hand, hand, and he looked away, and he actually threw it out of bounds. But the the the, the ferocity with which he attacks the opposition body, suddenly we've gone, hey, hang on. There's no blandness about the young blokes oh, well, that are coming into this team. They are talented. There's one other too, Taron Thomas. He's oh, yeah. Like, yeah. he has got to be yeah. a serious player. I feel like, even though he's only played half a dozen games, he, if that, we, we've already talked about how talented uh, he is. He, look, he's only doing a half a dozen to eight things in a game at the moment, but you see one or two of those, you know, eight things, and you just go, gee, he's prodigious in talent. Yeah, yeah. So what is it, Terry? Are they the 12-10 team from last year who were, looks like they might have been on the rise, who were recast as completely outperforming what they had through the first part? Or is this two peculiar weeks that's given them that sense of unity and purpose that they have maximised? Because somewhere in there yeah. is the question of what to do. What does the future look like? Well, look, they're a relatively mature side. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, when I have a look at uh, a starting 18 for them, we just talked about their youngsters. And in my starting 18, I've got Larky and Simpkin and, and Zerha. But 14 of the starting 18 that I've got at 25 years plus. Yeah. And you see last night, if you go to the best players in the paper, it, it's all the senior boys, you know, probably with the exception of Zerha, it's all the senior guys. So they got a great result out of their senior players. So what they really don't have a lot of, they've got really good young kids and really good mature top-end players. And I think this is, you know, everyone's talked about the Vortex and them staying in that same sort of bracket from about 6 to, to 12, around that sort of mark. But they haven't got a lot of guys in the 23, 24, 25-year age bracket. So I always thought um, that... That's the Atlee McDonald, Dumont sort of correct. ones. They, they were thinking might have been a touch... More influential on the on the games. Well, I'll just I'll just give you a look at, uh, at a couple. If you go to uh, players twenty five and under at GWS, GWS have got Whitfield, Greens, uh, Williams, Cornelio, Kelly, Cameron, Tomlinson, Finlayson, Himmelberg, Taranto, and Hopper. You go to North, it's Dumont, Anderson, McDonald, Vickers, Willis, who's injured, Simpkin, Larky, Zerha, Turner. It's just not the same as as that other group. So. I've always thought that they were playing for now, and I think they did too, when you really look at it. I mean, that's why they went out and got the players at the start of this year. They wanted to top up and go as well as what they possibly could over the next 12 to 18 months. I still think there's a little bit of a cliff coming for them. That that was their philosophy, though, uh, when they, what did they go, 10 and 1 two years ago at the halfway mark? Um, having said that, I wouldn't have minded the... Uh, Choices that the GWS boys got given. Oh yeah, but, but well. that's what they're going to be contesting yeah, in the next. That's so, their opponent. So I think the the next coach has got a, a couple of years, Jared, with a list that's still you know, got your senior boys being able to impact and do what they did last night and what they did last week. Um, but there's going to come to a stage, even with that next coach, unless they are clever in the way they do things, there's going to come to a stage where that group's going to be gone and it's just whether the next group's talented enough to take control of it. We know there's some great young talent there, but whether there's enough in that mid-bracket to deal with it in a couple of years' time. So Wayne Carey's view last Monday night was everyone was on the table. This was the time to get low picks and rebuild. Is that still the view this Saturday morning? I think it might have swung a little bit. Uh, and should it, should it, and that's the other part, should it swing on one or two good performances? Well, what they have to do is work out, okay, when we think we are going to be 
a 14-15 win team for the year. When is that era? And who on our list, if they are a good player, is not going to hang on till that long? They're the ones you look to trade out while they still have a bit of currency. So you'd be saying, uh, certainly from my point of view, Tarrant at 29, Cunnington 27, Zeebel 28, Brown 26, Goldie at 30. But do you want to get rid of those? I mean, that's, that's the uh, difficulty. There's heart and soul players, blood players, and uh, you, you, Cunnington stays Correct. at the club. Exactly. Through, through, even if they throw the world at you, they'd have to give you reincarnated Chris Judd to get, get him out there. He's worth that much to the team yeah. in the way he not just plays, but who he is in that team. Mm. He's a heart and soul player. That That's the fabric. So, Bob, uh, the best and fairest last year, this is the age of, of the best and fairest. First, 31. Second, 27. Third, 29. Fourth, 26. Fifth, 28. Seventh, 30. Ninth, 32. And 10th, 27. Mm. So, <laughs> that's all your best players are in that later age bracket. Obviously, they've got some good youngsters coming through. They do. The, well, last night was the first time I got really excited about about the North Melbourne youth. So, to, to even to Jared's question around, you know, ha, what the, whether they philosophically change what they're going to do, I suppose they've got time, don't they? Now mm. they've got they've got twelve weeks, or whatever, to, to see what this what this group can do. And and will you ha, will you hold on to those older guys, or do you get to the end and say, okay, well, what can we get? That's that because that's the thing, also, isn't it? Like. It's one thing to okay, we're going to trade Goldstein and you know Sean Higgins, these sort of players. But what what do you yeah. get? Because you know clubs, you know other clubs are mindful of how much how many how many years they'll get out of those guys if they if they traded them. The one thing out of last night, Terry, it was a powerful case study. And once you know you're not going on together as coach and club, that it is better not to waste any time. Yeah. For however rough and, and the timing was rugged and far from ideal. But once you know, cut the cord and don't waste any more weeks. I've always believed that. And I've, look, I've been in the situation where I'm the one who's been cut adrift. Uh, but I've always still believed once the decision is you're not going on, it's not good for either. Um, Bruce Shaw, it would be really interesting to have a chat with him and sort of see where he is. He seems like he is totally committed to this role. I, you know, I'll go all the way back to Paul Ruse when he got, you know, got the Sydney role. Mm. He was in, and he had the playing group right with him. And it Terry, was, he snipped you. <laughs> but, it was, but it was 100 miles an hour, and it was because they were so close. And, and, he's got, and he's got time plough. He's Correct. like, Reese has got, often this situation happens with, you know, two Four or three or three. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's not much. This, Reese has got a real chance to show, to show the depth of his, of his coaching ability. Well, what's perfect, Bob? I mean, is it a case where you're giving a bloke enough rope and he hangs himself or you're giving him enough games and he can utterly prove himself? Well, that, this what's, is, what's, so, the, what's the right sample Well, I'm size? not too sure. I, I'm not too sure. Is the caretaker position, Jared and I spoke about it during the week, it used to be a coveted one for assistant coaches with ambition. And I'm, I'm not sure if that's the case these days. Oh. Reese obviously wants it, so I'm not. I'm not too sure. I'd have to ask. We'd have to ask other other coaches who've got ambitions of being a senior coach. Would they Would they put step forward to take this this on, or would they be like, Oh, I don't know if I want my hands on this. We'll ask Reese that next. But what it does mean is that 
Whatever North Melbourne's view was as of this morning, they're going, well, this guy's in the frame. Yeah. It, we, we, will, oh, yeah. we will examine him closely because he might be the guy. Who's to say he is or he isn't? But they will now look at him and go, he's a viable option on the back of one week's connection. Gee, they played with palpable spirit. That third quarter, that third quarter was a frenzy of physical attack on the ball. Well the done, Bob. Once again, at crunch time, you, you entered a new word, palpable. It's, it's never been uttered in the history. In the history, oh, Not only crunch time, I don't think palpable's ever been mentioned by any broadcaster around the... the, the fraternity of league football. Well, don't well get done, too excited. Mate. As you guys talk amongst yourselves, I'll look up what it means. <laughs> Reece Shaw is about to join us on Crunch Time after North Melbourne's stunning success last night. We'll deal with Richmond as well as we go along and we'll open the Start 21 open line, one 736 736 Your Start 21, your world endless possibilities. Reece Shaw next. This is Crunch Time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Jared Waitley, Dermot Burton, Terry Wallace and Bob Murphy with you on Crunch Time. And with us is the man of the hour, the caretaker coach at North Melbourne, Reese Shaw. Reese, welcome to Crunch Time and congratulations. Thanks very much, Jared. How long did it take you to come down, either emotionally or from the sugar high last night? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I snuck away a few lollies, didn't I? Uh, but look, I, I'm still still pretty pumped up. It's a uh, it was a fantastic night for the for the footy club and um, a really proud moment for for me and my family. Can you describe a little with a little bit more depth as how it felt and what the emotions were in the aftermath? Yeah, look, it was because of the week that had been. Um, the players were obviously emotional uh, early on in the week. Um, everything was uh, up in the air, I suppose, in terms of what was happening at the club. And our main focus at the start of the week was to give the players a bit of time. Um, even though we only had a six-day break, it was, it was really important that they were able to um, get their minds together and uh, get their thoughts together and make sure that they were um, ready to get back into it. And, and that was probably the thought process behind giving them a bit of time early on. And then as the week built it up, we uh, we started to get into it and we really started to sharpen our focus towards Richmond. And um, the whole club was just fantastic in their support of not only me, but the other coaches that are involved. And um, the way it panned out last night, uh, the way the boys played their footy, it was just fantastic to see. And, um, I think that's the type of footy that we've been building towards and um, the type of footy that uh, Brad really wanted us to play and I think it was it was uh, really fitting that it, uh, they showed it uh, straight away. So it was good. Perhaps I could ask you about two moments. So being with the players in the aftermath when you took them into the rooms and we saw a little bit of that vision, what did you want that to be? Oh, to be honest, Jared, I, I don't know. I, I was, <laughs> I just wanted, I actually just wanted the players to enjoy the, the moment. It was... It was uh, obviously a really big week for them, but um, I wanted them to be together and to be able to sing that song together. And uh, somehow they wrote me in, and um, <laughs> no, it was it was really pleasing though. I, I, I was I was uh, I was pretty emotional, um, but I, I just love those that group of players and 
Um, even though I've only been there a short time, they're just so tight and they're such a coachable group. And did you get a moment with your family later on, away from broadcasters and the like, either, I don't know, in the car park, in the rooms or at home later on? <laughs> I, uh, you know, I went home and my wife was my wife was still up. She came to the game with my old man and um, we, we just sat on the couch. I had a beer and um, we just really reminisced on the week and just thought what an unbelievable ride and um, just what a fantastic effort it was from, from the boys. So what does that taste do for you? Yeah, look, it certainly uh, lights a bit of a fire. Um, I, I'm, I'm really privileged to be in this position uh, at this point in time and I'm looking to make the most of that as much as I can and um, on that journey there's going to be some tough times ahead um, there's going to be some good times, but we've just got to roll with it and, and I've got to roll with it and make sure that my first priority is the players and, and that's all it should be about. So how have you decided to handle it, Reese? Are you, are you prepared to tip your hand and say, yep, I actually really want to do this job with this team? Um, Jared, I, look, I've, I've always wanted to be a senior coach. Um, I make no bones about that. I'm, that that's, that's what I've been building towards. And as I said last night, it's happened a little bit quicker than I expected, um, but in terms of in terms of this job, at the moment I haven't really thought about it. I've, I've got a job to do um, this week, and, and that's as far as my mind's allowed me to allowed me to think. Um, but in terms of being around this group of players, I, I'd love to um, play some part. But uh, at the at this point in time, all I'm worried about is the Gold Coast. Reese, congratulations to yourself and clearly the club and uh, you know, how it's all pl- sort of played out over the, the last fortnight. Didn't start the greatest, but it certainly has uh, got momentum as it's going along. Having been in your position yep. as an interim coach, we know that every coach has the way that they want to play and, and you will always be in line with the senior coach uh, as you would have been when Brad yep. was there. How much yep. do you want to tinker with, but how much do you need to sort of leave it as it is, so you don't sort of tip it too far one way. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Plough. It's um, it's something that I've really wrestled with. Um, I have got my own philosophies on things, and um, but I think the best for the group would be to have as little change as we possibly can. Um, they have been playing some really good footy. Uh, the boys believe that um, if they play up to a certain standard like they did last night in a certain way, we can actually um, produce some good footy. And yes, there's going to be some tinkers here and there, but by and large, it'll stay pretty similar um, for the rest of the year. I, I, I don't see it changing too much, player. We did see a couple of little things different. Uh, it seemed like your, your scores come from more from front half pressure than what they had, um, you know, in the early part of the season. So, did you look at a couple of little areas that just all I'm saying is sharpen up on? Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt we did. Um, we knew that uh, Richmond are a really, really top quality side, and um, they've got that really surge. Um, game plan where they they like to go forward at all costs. So we knew that if we could um, stop that at the source um, or as quickly as possible in our front half, that um, it would go a long way to keeping us in the game. And the boys' pressure was outrageous. I know at some point in the game it was up above two, which is um, really, really elite pressure. So that was really pleasing um, across the board.
And the other thing for me, and I know you don't want to get too much into the future and what's going on, but you seem to have formed a really good bond with this group, and clearly that's why the club pick you to take them forward for the rest of the year. We've seen the bond that senior coaches and players have had of recent times. We've seen the history of interim coaches who have had a great bond with their, their team. It's all important to actually getting a senior position. Yeah, I, I think so, and I'm I'm a I'm probably am a people's person. I, I, I really like to spend time with people, and um, especially the players. I, I think it's it's really important that we get to know each and every one of them, um, so that then we can coach them a lot better. So it, it's not all across the board. We coach everyone exactly the same. There's going to be guys that are different, um, and they want they want a message different. So I've got to be able to know that and. And our club and our coaches do that really, really well. And um, that's one thing I have focused on, especially coming from a new club. I've had to, I really wanted to get to know the players as, as best as I could in such a small amount of time. And um, I hope, I hope that they, they've got to know me and that we can all uh, go in the same direction for the next 11 weeks. Reese, when the club asked you to be the interim coach, did you speak to anyone as to whether it's a good idea? Is it, is it, the right position to take, or did you go? Oh, I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I actually I rang my brother, and um, I don't know if that was the right thing to do either. But <laughs> uh, he was no, nah, he was really supportive of um, whatever I wanted to do, and he just thought it'd be a great opportunity. And and my dad was similar. Um, they're the two two people that I really um, listen to and and take advice from, and um, they never said no, so I was pretty happy to go along with it. And it's just, it is, it's just a great opportunity. Reese, Bob here. Congratulations on a great win, mate. I, w- I want to ask you, um, being having observed senior coaches, you know, for for most of your life, having played for such a long time and, and been an assistant coach, what 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 was the moment for you this week where you actually felt like a senior coach? Was it a meeting with the players? Was it, or was it the game last night? Was or was there a single moment, or or, or am I off the mark? No, no, you're spot on. I think this week was all a bit of a blur up until before the game last night and um, the message that I wanted to get across to the players. I, it all happened pretty quickly and then once um, I got the tap on the shoulder for two minutes and the players had come in, I thought, OK, <laughs> it's on now. So I wanted to make sure my message was really clear, really simple um, and with my own words and just about what I'm about and what this club's about and where we want to go tonight. Hey, every time I've put on a pair of uh, earphones this weekend, I feel like I'm talking to Reece Shaw. Are you surprised <laughs> now that you've got the job how much a senior coach actually does uh, in terms of media work? Oh, bloody oath, Dan. It's, uh, it's nuts, mate. It's, uh, it's a real eye-opener. Um, I've just got to make sure that I stay nice and calm and, and just be myself. And that I think that'll take me where I want to go. So um, I've just got to go with the flow a bit. It is it is a bit time con- consuming, but um, it just comes with the territory. And I'm I'm really trying to embrace everything and and, and make sure that uh, I put my best foot forward, and so that the players can put theirs. Uh, it can't. Get, well, it doesn't get lost on me. It can't get lost on you. 
first game in, and as I said, the, 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 the last coach did a fantastic job and he's loved by his players and the likes, but it does yep. not and cannot get lost on people that the first game in for a new coach and two young players in um, Davies Uniaki and uh, Jai Simpkin, I, I would back it in. They are, that was, the best two games these boys have played with the club. Why is it with one different figurehead that that can happen? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Doom. I, th- I think with those two guys, um, they, they have been building towards this. I, I don't think necessarily it's got anything to do with me. I, I think they just got a little bit more opportunity maybe last night um, in those roles, like in, inside the contest. So I think that's probably played a part, but they have been building and it was, it was just really, really pleasing to see um, Luke and Jai and, and Taran, Nick Larkey and, and uh, one of my faves, Cam Zerha. He's, like those guys, they're, they're going to take this club a long way if they just keep, keep producing football like that. But for Jai and Luke, it was, it was fantastic to see because they, they're such um, extreme talents and I was really pleased for them. Yeah, those two boys especially... I actually thought, I made mention, I thought Davies Uniaki, I would have picked him number one from what I saw in his year. But then I've almost thought over the last 18 months, gee, I got that selection wrong. Last night was the first signs I've, I've thought, you know what? He probably could have been very comfortably sat at number one. What he did last night in the heat of the traffic against a, uh, you know, a 40-game-ago premiership team was unbelievable. Yeah, look, he's, um, he's as I said, he's a, he's a great talent. Um, but we've also got to remember that some some guys take a little bit longer than others. And this is only second year. Um, it's only it's it's only Jai's third year. So even though they got picked really high, they still need to develop it in um, in their own time. And I think Luke is just starting to get the hang of um, what it's like and the positioning and the and the pace of the game. So. I think uh, it's it's only good signs for him if he's uh, starting to get the hang of it. Reese, what is it most that you find alluring about coaching? I love uh, helping young men get the best out of their ability. Uh, that's that's my sole purpose. Um, that's what I love doing. I, I'd be doing it if I was at um, local level. I, I've, I've tried to achieve that at, at NEFL level and as an assistant coach up in Sydney. And here, that's that's my that's my mantra. That's what I want to be known as: someone who gets the best out of their players, and um, that's what that's what it's all about for me. So, with the experience of one week, what, what do you reckon? How much do you think you'll learn over three and a half months in the job? <laughs> I think I'm going to learn a lot, Jared. I yeah. think it's going to be a fantastic ride. I think um, I've learned so much this week. I've, I've had so much support and so much help, and great advice from some old heads and um, people around the club and some guys all around the league. So I'm going to learn a hell of a lot. It's going to be a fantastic experience for, for me and um, I'm looking forward to it. There's a tremendous amount of goodwill around you. Could, could you feel that as well? Yeah, I, I actually could. It was it was just great. I, the, the support's just been amazing and um, the crowd last night was fantastic and it was just a really, really good atmosphere around the place. And even though we've had a tough week, um, the Kangaroo supporters have really got behind the boys and it was just really good to see last night.
Good on you, Reese. Thanks for sharing a bit of it with us the, the morning after, and well done. Thanks very much, guys. Reese Shaw, he couldn't have made a more positive impression in his early days in the caretaker role. We'll talk to Basha Hawley from the Tigers shortly. Let's uh, check in with Unibet with Russell Barwick. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Russ. Thank you, Jared, and morning to you and the footy fill-up this week in the uh, AFL where they're sticking their necks out, the boys at Unibet or the team, and they're saying that Carlton can knock off Essendon so you can get better value about the Blues around about the uh, $3 mark at the moment in that game. But the early games today and all of the games today, bar one, is pretty shorties. GWS giving up 50 to the Suns, Collingwood giving up 34 to Fremantle and Geelong giving up 31 to the Swans. So a lot of punters have just gone multi, multi, multi. The uh, top three picks in the market, the Giants, Collingwood and Geelong and hoping to get a bit of money to play with a little later on. Just uh, also telling you that Brisbane have been pretty well supported in the game against Hawthorne. Now into $1.62, the Lions, the Hawks at two thirty, And we've got a massive weekend of sports still going, Jared. And if you don't mind me, I'll sort of go around the world of sport. In cricket, of course, the Aussies taking on Afghanistan. $1.07 should win that. Kiwis $1.25, Sri Lanka four bucks. And the Champions League final tomorrow morning, 5am uh, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane time. Spurs at 4.40. Now, this is regulation time. The draw, 3.70. Liverpool at $1.90. And there's markets just to hold the trophy and all of that sort of thing. And there's two Aussies left in the French Open. And if you want to back them both, well, Ash Barty, $17. And Jordan Thompson, about $801. I don't know whether he's got much of a hope, but he's done very, very well to get this far already. But Ash Barty, $17. I reckon it's a, a sneaky little chance that Ash will make it into the final and then maybe go all the way, fingers crossed. Don't forget, download the app, gamble responsibly, and enjoy whatever you're doing on this beautiful Saturday. Thanks, Rasket. Legendary tips on At Odds with Junior, Fletch and Hammer. Watch the latest episode at unibet.com.au. After the break, Basha Hawley will address the Richmond side of last night's equation. Belted, really, in unusual fashion, although maybe not unusual at the venue. We'll ponder that next on Crunch Time. Know what the H you're getting. Ask, search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. There was so much to discuss out of last night from a North Melbourne perspective. 37-point winners over Richmond. The Tigers had won the admiration of all as to how they'd been able to handle adversity. Until last night, it was a bit of a shuddering performance, to be honest. So what did it mean? Jared Waitley, Dermot Brereton, Terry Wallace and Bob Murphy. Basha Hawley is with us from the Tigers. Basha, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks for having me, guys. <clears throat> what did you make of last night? Um, yeah, obviously very, very disappointing. Um, you know, North Melbourne come out, come out to play, and uh, we simply didn't. You know, we felt like we were, we were there for about half a game, but uh, not there in, in, in some way. Um, just you know, obviously their their, con- their contest work, their tackle pressure was just um, you know outweighed ours, and um, you know they, they were far, far better than us. Basha, bad luck on last night. You, your team's had a wonderful run so far and it'll keep going, I'm quite sure, and get back on track very soon. There was a couple of little signs that I thought, hang on, this. just before they ran out, we got a little bit of news that Nick Vlosten would play a little bit more through the middle. So you started to look at it and think, 
The Tigers actually think they're vulnerable here too. Was there? I know you won't say there's any of that feeling, but in the coach's box, to put Vlosten in the middle to match a big-bodied Cunnington and, and Golds, uh, Goldstein mm. as well, a lot of things went right for North Melbourne, but a lot went wrong for the Tigers too. Yeah, you're right. Um, they do have um, quite large bodies and um, you need big bodies to, to match them, particularly on the inside. We knew that if we can match them on the inside, we'll, we'll obviously um, have a good run on the outside. But with with Nick Foster, we, we tried uh, his role last week and we felt like it worked. Um, then hopefully it can complement, you know, with, with Trent coming coming back in the team and playing that uh, that central role, uh, that solid central role. But, um, you know, as, as the, the, the play unfolds, um, things don't work and you have to go back to old plans. But, um, you know, they're, they're, they're huge bodies inside. Just um, we're, very, we're exceptional and um, their ability to handle out of stoppage um, just really, really shook us. Yeah, uh, to me, just and we're looking from the outside in, so we don't have your your touch and feel at the coalface. But to see Vloston not in the back line, he's so good, along with yourself and and, uh, and Asprey down back at organising everything. They seemed a bit. You came up a little bit like the kick away from the stoppage play, from what I could see on TV. What happened behind you? And no, no slight on the young kid Garthwaite, but they were a bit disorganised down there once the ball went up over your head mm. yeah no, I mean obviously they were, they were really good um, you know around the contest but um, you know taking strong marks but you know obviously they, they, they did get a few few free kicks and it was obviously undisciplined by us uh, and then their ability to out, outnumber the contest which is something um, you know we, sh- we should be disappointed with ourselves so uh, there are yeah, obviously many reasons why um, you know we, we couldn't win the ball back they were just far better uh, they were much much more hungry than us. That's just a uh, simple simple message. And did you get the chance to run into the young man Cameron Zerha? He he just he was a pinball last night. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. He's a big boy. He was actually uh, in the second half. I think Turner went uh, down back, and Turner kind of had the, uh, the role on me in the first half. And in the second half, he just he was he was getting into me, and he's a big lad. I I had. Um, yeah, I had uh, I had the feeling firsthand. So, um, and then his ability to, to tackle was uh, sensational as well. Basha, we've all admired in adversity what the club's been able to do and achieve over probably the last sort of you know seven or eight eight weeks. But when you've been beaten, you've actually been beaten fairly badly, which is to me is a pretty uncharacteristic for uh, for your side. You're now tenth in percentage in the competition. Mm. Is that a worry that when when it leaks, it's it's really leaking? I'll be honest. I just oh, probably we haven't really looked into it as much. I'm sure we'll review it during the week. But um, when you win, I don't think you focus on it too much. But it's just everything pops up when you lose. So um, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of learning learning curves from 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 obviously the weekend. And uh, that's not to say you know we've we've had a we've had an okay season. Um, we can't simply be completely disappointed by one or two results um, during the year. But I'm sure we'll bounce back. We'll, we'll review the game. Um, we'll look at the positives as well as the, the learning learning things that come out of the game and, and move forward. And that's that's the great thing about our game. We've got an opportunity the next week, and none better than the, you know obviously probably the best team in the competition running around next Friday night. And I know it just seems like we we are sort of uh, focusing really on the on the negative, but it was such a, an unusual game for you. And, and I was there uh, a few weeks ago, you know, probably nearly a month ago now, when it was a very similar game 
to the Bulldogs game. And, uh, you know, both those sides, Bulldogs North, are lower ranked than you. But I know you've had five-odd wins prior to that at uh, Marvel Stadium. But your last couple at Marvel just haven't been the Richmond that we expect. Yes, yeah, you're right, they haven't. And we just obviously, we're very disappointed with it. Um, uh, we didn't obviously expect it to happen. It's something you don't plan for, but it rarely it's happened. We, we've got to be better. We've just, we've just got to be simply better and know that things are not working for us and we need to come back to to our, I guess, our, our A game, play to our strengths and uh, gel really well together. But just we just felt like it. yesterday was uh, a few blank stares um, from, from, from a lot of players. And um, when, you, when you get that, you, you can tell people on the back foot players on the back foot so we've got to be all in it to win it um unfortunately majority of us were, were went went up to scratch last night basher bob here your own form at marvel stadium been sensational you had a another heap of the ball last night you, you did take a, a pretty heavy knock there last night were, were there any were there any concussion concerns when you came off the ground or you just a, just a bit sore in that shoulder oh there were concussion um you know obviously uh concerns but uh I went, I went down i was asked a few simple questions and uh ticked all the boxes um i just yeah i hurt my shoulder neck eye a bit of everything yeah it was a lot and then a couple of, a nice way from cunnington a little bit later on in the third <laughs> quarter as well so clearly i was targeted last last night but um you know obviously i'm glad i got through the game i, I was kind of playing with one eye the other one was closed um but yeah it's just yeah one of those one of those nights that was just um yeah, there wasn't any positive to come out I w- of. I wouldn't feel too bad about being whacked by Ben Cunnington. He whacks a lot of people, <laughs> mate. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he does. I'm, He's a solid player. I'm curious, in the aftermath of you know a disappointing loss, sometimes you know coaches look forensically at that loss and and pick away at it other times they move on quickly you've got the cats next week with it was there what was the what was the sense you got from from Damien Hardwick after the room after the game in the rooms mm Dim- is uh his uh, his coaching style and the way he delivers his speech has uh, has improved immensely uh particularly in the last three or four years um he's he's a type of person that gets really really hard on himself lacks sleep and feels like it's almost the end of the world but he he's learned through doing many um you know many courses along the years to to get better at this and uh you know he, obviously you, you can't shy away from being disappointed with the result um but he always looks at the positives and there's always homework to do during a week and knows that we can turn around from one week to another. So he's confident. He puts confidence in us and the playing group um, that, you know, we'll turn around this week and, and put a better performance um, come Friday night. Do you think broadly, Basher, the team doesn't play Marvel as well as it does, or certainly the MCG, which mm. is, I guess, obvious by the record? Yeah. Oh, I think so. Going going through record this year and previous years, and particularly probably North Melbourne and and, um, and Bulldogs, <laughs> we kind of struggle a little bit with them. I, I don't know. I don't know why, but um, you know, there's always one or two teams in the competition that um, you have a few hiccups with. So um, um, yeah, I just I don't know, it's it's clearly from from evidence and, and stats that we we struggle a little bit at Marvel. But um, yeah, obviously um, we, we can't look into that too too much. Basha, good of you to join us on Crunch Time. We look forward to seeing you next Friday night back at the G. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Basha Hawley with us there. Career high, 38 possessions, career high last night. And uh, found the footy, a lot of the time they kind of allowed him to go up to the stoppage and, and find a bit of his footy, but there was a telling piece of play late in the game, which was all said and done. His opponent was Simpkin, came up and just stood on a 45 degree behind him about seven or eight minutes. They won control and they literally handballed over Bash's head. And I thought, 
to, to Simkin. And I thought, is that something that they've nutted out or is that just one way of, you know... Uh, working at the system against what we know Richmond do. Bob, we've uh, we've all played in sides where all of a sudden you're looking at your teammates and there's blank stares. It's not mm. great, it's not a great spot to uh, to be, is it? No, no, that that kind of takes you to to where it was for the for the Tigers last night. That, that and that takes a lot of energy up of the leaders. So Basher obviously was concerned about that. Of you know the. I, I guess the snazzy little catchphrase in, in modern sport is to, to be in the moment, to have your players be in the moment. And when you see the blank stares, it kind of just lets you know that you've, you've lost a couple. They're, they're worried about what's happened or they're stressed about what, what, what's ahead of them. So, yeah, not a good night for the Tigers. It, Bob. I remember every time Robert Dibier Domenico got instructions, <laughs> <laughs> he looked there, back there is, with there's a blank a, stare. There's exceptions to every rule. There's a dipper in every he footy team. Low, <laughs> and he had a blank stare every time the coach gave him an instruction. That's, uh, no, Dermot. no, Dermot, that's, a, that's because he reached a state of zen, dipper. <laughs> you, you're dead right. Derm's <laughs> just warming up on crunch time. We've got the crunch next. All the issues of the week. The first Adam Goods documentary has landed. We'll discuss that as well as what's going on with Daisy Thomas and the potential mid-year trade period. The award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Friday night, putting for North Melbourne. 37-point winners over Richmond's. It has ramifications for both. Today, Collingwood and Fremantle go first. The Giants and the Suns then. Tomorrow in China, St Kilda have made the trip to host Port Adelaide. Brett Ratton is going to be our guest in this hour. Jared Waitley, Dermot Brereton, Terry Wallace and Bob Murphy about to assess the issues of the week. But as we do, the takeaways from last night for Crunchy Corn, the ultimate footy snack available at Coles. So Terry, for you, are Richmond's issues last night specific to one game, peculiar to the venue or the first signs that they might be just a touch threadbare having faced so much adversity? Oh Well, as I mentioned, they're 10th percentage-wise in the competition as we stand at the moment. Look, I get the sense I'm not so much into the Marvel Stadium situation, albeit the last two have been fairly poor. I'm more at the sense that they had won five out of six. Um, you get a few back. All of a sudden, you, you pick up the papers and, you know, people are writing articles that we can become premiers again. All of a sudden, you think the band's back together again. I just think that they might have had a couple that just took their foot off the pedal marginally. It's, it's never intentional, but it's just one of those things that can happen at times. What's your view, Dan? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of the threadbare aspect. And they're good kids, but, you know, you get... You can, you can make your selections on who's going to win, who's your tip, blah, blah, blah. When you see them walk out onto the ground and they walk to their positions, before the first bounce, you look at them, sometimes you go, ooh, that's going to be tough to overcome. When I saw, and he's a good kid, when I saw Ryan Garthwaite line up on Ben Brown, I thought, if Brown is able to charge at the footy and he gets some supply, this kid ain't going to stop him. And I thought, well, there's a, there's a four at least up front for, for North Melbourne. And there were other aspects of the, the game. And there, there so much had to go right there after the kids had to play well. 
because they were given so much uh, opportunity in the middle of the ground, uh, namely the ones we were chatting about, Uniaki, uh, Davies Uniaki and, and Jai Simkin. And then Zerha played what could be argued as his best game and Larky outbodied Asprey on an occasion and looked pretty good as well. So, so much went right. But you could see the reasons unfolding before your eyes and just at the start of the game you thought, they do look like it's, it's not... They haven't got every base covered, Richmond. Good teams are going to be able to exploit this. Puts a bit on Friday night when they face Geelong. We'll see how the Cats go this afternoon to get the full set up for that match. What do you hear when you listen to Reese Shaw? He was with us a little earlier on Crunch Time. Look, it certainly uh, lights a bit of a fire. I'm really privileged to be in this position uh, at this point in time and I'm looking to make the most of that as much as I can. And um, on that journey, there's going to be some tough times ahead. Um, there's going to be some good times, but we've just got to roll with it, and, and I've got to roll with it and make sure that my first priority is the players, and, and that's all it should be about. So how have you decided to handle it, Reese? Are you, are you prepared to tip your hand and say, yep, I actually really want to do this job with this team? Um, Jared, I, look, I've, I've always wanted to be a senior coach. Um, I make no bones about that. I'm, that that's, that's what I've been building towards, and as I said last night, it's happened a little bit quicker than I expected, but in terms of in terms of this job, at the moment I haven't really thought about it. I've got a job to do um, this week, and, and that's as far as my mind's allowed me to allowed me to think. Um, but in terms of being around this group of players, I'd love to um, play some part. But uh, at the at this point in time, all I'm worried about is the Gold Coast. What do you hear when you listen to Reshaw? Well, he wants a job. I like it. And we, we've had a few people walk through the, the, the box here today and some of you, and we off air have passed comment. Yeah. Some have been split down the middle. Some have said, oh, he's pushing too hard for it. If they have a blowout, it'll, it'll look bad. If I was to put on the hat of former yesteryear and say, as a board member, I love hearing a bloke say, I want the job. I'll do everything I can. I, I don't subscribe to the... Oh, you don't can't go too hard in case. It, I mean, you can't ask the girl for a dance, and when she says no, turn around and say, "Oh, I didn't really want it anyway." <laughs> I knew there was a good metaphor coming. It was all building. It didn't yeah, disappoint. But, but it's true. But you either want it or you don't really want it. And I love to hear blokes say, "Gee, I want the opportunity because I really want this job." You know, they're in balls and all. Bob, if he goes his hardest at the at the position, really passionately wants the position and he doesn't get it. Is it okay for him to stay? I mean, is that an easy outcome for him then to sort of just go back into his normal role? I, th- I think it is because because of his youth. I-, I agree with Dermot that there's nothing wrong with being ambitious and putting it out there. Um, but, I- but I don't think it's a cross on Reese if he, if he, if he misses out on the job. I, I think he would no, stay absolutely. there. No, I- I'm-, I'm 100% behind that. Scott Camparelli's made that work at the Crows, hasn't he? Having yeah. Field in there. Bob, your take out as a tackler. Well, I'm not exactly what you'd call a tackle expert, and Plough could vouch for that having coached me, in, particularly in the early years. But <laughs> I just I, it, <laughs> I just thought Cameron Zerha last night, we've talked about him a bit, but his tackling performance was kind of, was it caught the attention. He had, he had, he had 11 tackles, but unlike 98% of every other league footballer, he, he tackles players like players tackle the 
the tackle bag at training. He really buries them. So I thought for a, for a young player, he had a, a huge physical impact on the game. And he didn't have spaghetti arms. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's a bit more, bit more, can gen- you, bit more can genetically you relive blessed. It for us? Can you relive it for us, Bob? Look up at Terry right now with puppy dog eyes and plough. Can you tell us what, what your spray on his tackling would have sounded like? Uh, That's post-traumatic stress for me. We, we, we won't go back to the conscripts, will we, Bob? <laughs> oh, I'm getting flashbacks. I'm getting flashbacks. Oh, we're just getting to the good Spaghetti stuff. arms. Don't tackle, don't get tackled. That was my motto. <laughs> <laughs> the takeouts for crunchy corn corn from the cob roasted to perfection and lightly salted the ultimate footy snack all right the issues of the week uh, let's start with the, the first of the adam goods documentaries the final quarter bob uh, you were there on thursday when we had a screening of it it's going to premiere at the sydney film festival it'll get a free-to-air screening at some point thereafter and then be gifted to schools around the country uh, to choose how to use it ian darling has put the film together it's the narrative, basically strictly through the media clips of yeah. how it unfolded across three years. What, what did you? What impact did it have on you? Uh, yeah, it had a huge impact, and I and I sort of went into it thinking you almost have put the armor on of okay, this is going to be um, an intense experience, and and it was even more so than than what I expected. So it was yeah, it was powerful, um, and at times it was quite harrowing. And you sort of when I left, I left the the cinema and I, I went home and I, I had to take a walk because there's a there's a lot to digest um as you can imagine and I, I'm, I'm interested about what the second conversation the second phase of this conversation will be like having having we all lived through those times I'm interested to see what what happens from here you know what, what what's changed have attitudes evolved um I'm sort of I'm interested by that and I hope and I hope that's I hope that's the effect of the film of the questions and and how we feel and how we've evolved, not not about who who is sort of focused on in the in the documentary piece. Will you see it, Dan? Uh, yeah, I'll have a watch. Yeah, I, I believe my name <laughs> crops up in it. I just hope that there's not any disingenuous style of reporting with it. Yeah, because I can understand the direction that the film will want to take. Being Adam Goods, it has to take a certain direction. You can you can say you want to be not, uh, um, neutral in your direction with a uh, a show. It's very very difficult to do that, and I can't really think of anything of this nature which has ever been one hundred percent neutral. Jared, do you so I will take an interest in it. With an, will you go with an open mind? Absolutely, uh, and that was lost at the time when I was asked a question about Adam, and I assume it'll be up in the in the movie. Um, and my response, yet what is lost is that uh, if there has ever been a one society that is probably arm-in-arm brothers with different colours, it's the Irish fraternity towards the Indigenous Australians, which is my background. My, where I've come into the play is when I was asked um, what should Adam Goods do about why people are booing him, I assume this is the, the quote that I've been told has been highlighted. And I said, well, maybe Adam should have a look at why people are booing him through his actions. Now, that is was to be taken as to why I thought, if you're ever playing, committing, or a lifestyle, or the whole gamut of your being, if you can identify what you are doing that is making people boo you, dislike you, you, can, you address that. 
you can either change it or have the power to say, no, I am right here, I'll keep going with it. So that was the entirety of my words, yet I felt it was taken that I was trying to be um, directional as to Adam Goods must change. The narrative was that he needed to view why it was happening and why people were doing it, and then he could make his choice. So I just hope it's not disingenuous because every movie needs, every something uh, of this nature needs someone to actually, for the mind, to fight against and say that is the type of opposition that he was facing. I just hope it's not, as I said, I use the word disingenuous. I hope it's not disingenuous. What I was going to ask you, Jared. I mean, having seen it, do you think uh, those that are portrayed in it from a media point of view do you think it will have a change of attitude to those people or do you think a lot of people will sort of say, well, no, that's my belief at the time? Uh, probably my worry is that people are so deeply entrenched in their position that they won't approach it with an open mind. And so across three years, and it's, a, it's an extremely clever piece of filmmaking, um, by the end of it, it is inarguable that the booing was racist. It plots a very specific sequence of events and when they're presented to you, uh, it's it's beyond argument. So if we're going to default to that argument again, then we've come nowhere. I'll need to see it to, it to actually yeah, argue sure. that. Yeah, I couldn't believe the... So having lived through it, I couldn't believe the sense of tension that it created on the way to the war dance. So you sort of know the markers of where the story will take you. Mm. Uh, and I felt a physical sense of tension in the build-up to the war dance, and then out the back of that was, um, there I felt sort of sadness and bitterness, and uh, towards the end, Bob, I felt oh, this is too much. I'm not sure whether I can. It, it just felt for a little while like it was too much, and then you know the story doesn't resolve. Yeah, yeah, it's heavy. They're emotionally heavy. It starts with about a sort of what was said and what was heard, and you can see the tipping point. And the tipping point comes through the likes of. Andrew Bolton, Miranda Devine and Rita Panahi from what started out where Adam Goods was positioned in his open mic interview in 2012 to Australian of the Year. And you can you can see how it develops. So as can a I, factual I, piece of as a piece of documentary making, it is inarguable how it happened. Can I ask you then, without having seen it, so you're prepping me for it here, is it possible that some of those people you have mentioned could take issue with some of the, uh, as you call them, um, what are the timeline points that they disliked what Adam did, yet are not racist? Uh, the film, the, the definite, there are some moments where definitions are put up as to what is racism, and they're inserted at the moments where you can judge for yourself whether it matches up with the definition mm. yeah, of racism. Well, well, for that very reason, I'll be watching it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to get a handle so people such as yourself, whoever, will ask me for my commentary on it, and I'll need to see it. Yeah. Mm. It does feel like we'll have a mid-season trade period next year. So the mid-season draft happened, 13 players were taken. That quickly? Yep. I yeah, thought so it might Mitch, take an extra year. So did I. So Mitch Cleary reported with us last night that the, his his information is that there will be some form of mid-season trade. I spoke to Tom Petroro on Thursday and he said... It was an interesting chat. Uh, yeah, yeah. And all the possibilities within it, all the limitations, all the the reframing of the way our, our footy operation works, 
Um, so he felt maybe a couple of years down the track. But if they do it, Nathan Buckley was really clear, if they do it, we'll be ready. Just give us the runway to mm. be ready. Well, and, I, and it might take a couple of years to fully ramp up while you make your salary cap adjustments to give yourself capacity to move. I hope they allow the clubs to have the freedom of being of movement. So up until this stage, there's been restrictions on how many first-round picks you can use in a, in a certain period of time. If they're going to do this, they need to have the clubs responsible for their own actions rather than the governing body trying to overlook and, and orchestrate what you can and can't do. If you get it wrong, that's back to your football club. And, uh, and there's that, a penalty attached. Correct. Yep. Correct. Uh, uh, secondary question about the likes of Josh Jenkins and, and yep. Bryce Gibbs. Had that been this year, are they the types of people we might be seeing Oh, move? without question. Is Josh Jenkins would be at another club in round 12. So if, if, if we were doing this from next Monday with a week off, Josh Jenkins would be at another club in round 12. Well, you're looking at Ryan Gardner. I mean, Bulldogs have picked Ryan Gardner. Um, who hasn't been setting the world on fire at VFL level, throwing him straight in because that's exactly what their needs are. If a Josh Jenkins was available, yeah. well, he, he would have been but then in you front gotta, of Ryan Gardner. But then you've got to have... He's not, he's not coming at nickel and dime. Oh, no, either. no. You've got to satisfy Adelaide. And that goes back to your first statement. Uh, I... I it's a hard one to, to, to sink your teeth into and say, yes, let's go for it. But the reason why I do is you, I, I dislike it when people say, here's the reason why you can't give a bloke a game of league football. I like to see every avenue opened so somebody can play mm. league football that is ability-wise, uh, uh, dedication-wise, desperation-wise, yep. uh, uh, Worthy of a game of yeah. league football. It's interesting how the conversation skews. There are people going, oh, we're just stealing ideas from America. This was intrinsically part of the game, the movement of players mid-season. Russell Green. Intrinsically <laughs> part of the game. Here's a question for you. There is a player who's played at two clubs in the one round. It's a trivia question. <laughs> Hawthorne and Essendon. He played at two clubs over the one round. Tell us. Bernie Jones. Got cleared from Hawthorne split, to Essendon. Round, it was it? a split round. Awesome. <laughs> he played at two clubs in the one round. I don't think he played 23 matches for the year, but isn't that phenomenal? Yeah. So yeah. Gareth Andrews played two weeks in a row on Arnold Brightest. The first game he played for Geelong and the second game he was playing for Richmond. So I bitterly object to those who are going, no, we're just pinching ideas from elsewhere. This was a fundamental part of the game, and it's got... Flashpoints. Think of the Silvio Fascini incident. That is such a flashpoint in the history of our game. You're going to have to remind game. me this. Yeah, South yeah. Melbourne to St Kilda. And yeah. court action and injunctions. So it was and... Morewood and, and Fascini yep. on, the, on the one day. They, they stepped away and just sort of said, well, we're not worrying about... We don't want to go to Sydney. Was that it? No, they, they wanted to go to St Kilda and they weren't cleared. And they just played. But they played with South Melbourne, and South Correct. Melbourne then required all their players to go and live in Sydney, and they said, no, yep. we're not moving. Yep. Spot on. <laughs> it's like Silvio Fashini had a terrific career. This is what he's most remembered <laughs> oh, for, is this cruel. bit of standoff. Um, what about the notion, so Nathan Buckley's a yes, Chris Scott's a no. Um, it's a war of attrition. You set yourself up at the season. Why at the halfway mark should you either get to rectify things or worse, to skew things by being able to go and get the one asset which can reshape the premiership order in the back half? I'm, I'm halfway there with the war of attrition. 
We've got too many interchanges. My war of attrition is the hours you play each weekend. I think we give too much leeway to interchange. Too many players on the bench. I love to see the attrition of, well, they finished with 17. I know some people are going to argue that. You'll never finish with 17 again. But I, I like that war of attrition. And, and they're, therefore, over 22 plus four at the end, it is a war of attrition. My, yeah, my problem with that, Bob, is that just at the moment, I can't think of a time where we've had more injuries in the game. And, you know, probably about 23% of players are not available. I think there's about five clubs in the competition who just can't really field the sides that they would want to field. And the other thing I'd say, Bob, is the thing that I like about it, about it is it's a seller's market. And so, therefore, if you... I think it's your best opportunity of being able to get more for your players at that time of the year when people are desperate than what you yep. get at the end of the year. So that was the... Jared and we were talking about it during the week, weren't we? Because this is not the language I speak fluently, so I kind of find myself listening to what what are the if we bring it in, what are they? What are the conditions? And that was my that was my worry of does it favour those sides in the top bracket who are okay? Let's set ourselves to just put that finishing touch on to to win the flag, and does it rob the bottom club? So as long as and once it was explained to me around the you know the the the, the clubs down the bottom who are offloading these players, they can they can get a hefty, you know, bounty for them. I've started to come around to to at least hearing it out and seeing it all seeing it all down on paper. This well, is the crunch for Scooty, a Scooty two-wheel taxi, leave boredom behind. And, and that coming into play, as you say, it can change the, 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 the notion of what is going to happen at the end of the year. If you feel... We are a definite premiership chance here, but we've lost our, our player who is vital to us. We can get this player in and we're back on track. Mm. You're going to give up a whole lot to win a premiership. Right. So that benefits the team which gives up the player, perhaps to the, the point of what that player was never worth. Yeah. The other the public discourse or the media commentary is we... The, the, the trades are spoken about relentlessly all year. So just this week, as Isaac Smith gets linked to the Bulldogs and the Bulldogs have prepared a hit list, he's on the top of it. it it's not like what Alistair Clarkson said yesterday. Let's just leave it till October. A, that doesn't happen. The clubs are extremely active right now. And every time a player plays a good game, it defaults to, well, he's out of contract at the end of 2020. What's he going to be worth? Uh, how, where's Jack Martin going to go at the end of the year every time he plays well for the Suns? This is part of our regular discourse. Is it, if, As an industry, we've sort of worked ourselves to the point, well, if it can happen in the middle of the year, why not do it? Why not do it? I, I, think, I think we've actually all worked ourselves to this position. Just the trading talk started in round three. For what's going to happen at the end of the year. It is it's not really foreign at all. On the back of Terry's first commentary on it, it is going to take some... I, 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 one thing, I, I can't trust the clubs. <laughs> you can't trust the clubs <laughs> to say we're staying within the boundaries of, of, of the pay, uh, pay grades and pay, pay scales. It must be overseen by the league and they must get a view into yeah. all right you're letting a player out and you're swapping and now, now, now you've promised a draft pick next year and and this player right now and you're getting in uh, um lee matthews um uh, that's not 
you're giving up 200000 in wage and you're going to pay this bloke a million. How does that work? Yeah, so yeah. Ken Wood's very good at that. And Absolutely. it would take a couple of years. It would be extremely conservative for a couple of years while you opened up cap space. But I imagine the clever clubs would then leave a balloon They'd leave a $600,000 balloon in the cap, which gave them the capacity, if they were in premiership contention, to pounce. Yeah, the clever clubs. And some of the clever clubs might say, no, we can't afford the balloon. We're up to pussy's bow and, and we've fine. got the team yep. we want right now. Yep. So, And then when the injury comes, if and when it does come, then they're going to say, we seriously need this bloke. How do we do this? How do we... Uh, craftily, or as they would say in the in the real world, creatively account for this player coming into our team. And that's where you'd have to trade. Like if Adelaide wants something in, they've got two pretty big levers at the moment. Jenkins and Gibbs are taking up a big portion of their cap. Yep. They could be dangerous. They can not only trade those two players out, they can trade two seriously uh, well-paid players in. With already like, potential to pick one. So they're the case set, Adelaide. Yeah. So, okay, let's go to another club, Essendon. Up to Pussy's Bow on the uh, on the on their salary. They need another Joe Danaher. They want Josh Jenkins, and Jenkins is on seven fifty a year. Who come from Essendon? Yeah, how, well, <laughs> but it's the product yeah. they want. How do they get? Him? Well, are you prepared to trade Hooker? So that, that's your conversation. Are we prepared to give up one to get in another within season? I'll give you Jack Martin. So if there's a view that Jack's going to leave the Suns at the end of the year, he's worth more next week Correct. to the clubs at the top than no he doubt. is in October. You get way more next week. So you ask what does it do to the bottom clubs? You get at least one extra pick for Martin next week because there's a queue for him. The top five teams are all going, if Jack Martin's gettable, we're prepared to play ball here and the Suns load up on the and back And there's of immediate results next next Saturday. Yep. You know who the biggest winners are though, Jared? Those who work for talkback radio stations like SEN. <laughs> this has just got a red ribbon on it for us. Well, content, well, content. Well, what I'd love to see, I'd love to see uh, basically an, an hour spectacular where all the the trades, the mid-season trades are done in a one-hour show. Yes. They've had, they've had like a two-week period or a week period, whatever that period is. Yes, there'll be rumour and scuttlebutt out everywhere about who is potentially a moving. spectacular. But yes. it's just that I hour. I watched Italian but... TV once and there was a political <laughs> program on and two politicians were talking and a girl in a swimsuit crawled across the set in front of them. That was a spectacular as well. <laughs> right, right. You I, you, you do jackknife as Derm, I'll give you that. Um, so I reckon it would be next week, so after round 11, yep. you close the comp down on Tuesday morning, open the trade window at 9 o'clock, close it the following Monday at 8.30, 9.30 in prime time, take your pick, yep. and then restart the comp on the Thursday night. So Tuesday you roll the new boys out, mm. then you have a look on Wednesday and Away we go. That's you're you're painting it very. It, it, it's a very. I'm almost interested right now to see what it looks like. See what it would look like. The 40 wink series about sleep ladder update. The Tigers, despite their loss, they are seven and four. They dropped one spot on the ladder with the lowest percentage of the top ten teams, which is a curiosity in its own right. North, meanwhile, climbed to 14th. Only a game out of the eight at this moment. 40 winks league ladder. When it comes to bed matching. Your sleep. Dermot Burton, Bob Murphy, Terry Wallace, Jared Whaley, we're in the crunch. In the crunch for Scooty, your two wheeled taxi. Download the app today. More after the break.
award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Crunch time this Saturday afternoon at the MCG. It'll be Collingwood and Fremantle in Sydney. It's the Giants and the Suns in the twilight down the highway. Geelong hosts the Sydney Swans. Jared Waitley, Dermot Brereton, Terry Wallace and Bob Murphy. Last night, North got off to a, the round off to a winning start. 37-point winners over Richmond with a whole lot tied into that. The issues of the week for Scooty in the crunch. Make your trip exciting. Scooty two-wheeled taxis. Was Dale Thomas treated fairly by the Blues leadership group? Terry? Uh, yeah, look, I think so. But I still believe that we have different rules for some and different rules for others, depending upon where your team is ranked in the competition and where you are ranked in the competition. I think that uh, it's perceived that if, you're, uh, if your side's going really well and you're uh, you know, a, a key role in that. I think we're a little bit more accepting of things going wrong and I think when things are going wrong in your club and you make a wrong mistake, you're treated harder. I think he was treated fairly uh, but that's the full extent of it. I don't think if, if he's, you know, some people said, oh, you'd leave him out for the rest of the year, blah, blah, blah. Got no issue with the week, yeah. yeah. One week I think is absolutely fair. He made an error in judgment. He was he didn't ridicule himself, but I think he's proven himself over time to be a pretty damn good character and a good citizen in the footballing world. I, th- I think it would be... Uh, an indictment on Carlton and our competition if a bloke who's played 250 games finished his career in the VFL through that. Yeah, you, you, it's the same bloke who who realised his trigger clauses at Carlton and said to Carlton, tear up that contract with the trigger clauses. I don't care about the trigger clauses. You pick me to play another year if you think I'm good enough. I just thought that spoke volumes for his character, and he's still there. He got it wrong last weekend. He uh, he had a few kernel clinks before, you know, forty eight hours before a game. Bob, you were a bit tighter on it. Weren't yeah, you? I've got a bit of a bit of a stronger view on it um, yeah. than you two. Um, I, I I think the context is is really important. That the fact we're Carlton. So it's a bit about what you're saying, Plough. But I suppose my view is that the context around around the Blues this year is very relevant. They've won one game for the year. They've got one of their skippers is out. One is having to carry so much burden at the age of, of 22. And Dale's 31. He's a, he's a veteran. And it, was, it wasn't just... It's not just a couple of... You know, it's not a Shiraz with your steak. It's, you know, he's, he's, he's gotten on the drink. And I, I, I sort of view that as a, you know, as much as anything, it, it's, it's a lack of respect for the leadership group and, the, and, and that footy club that, you know, not forgetting that during the week they circled up and, you know, the, what happens in those circles is it's a renewed commitment to one another and for that to happen, you know, three or four days later, I think I think it's pretty significant. At the MCG this afternoon, Collingwood and Fremantle are unchanged. The quickest way to leave the MCG, scooter your two-wheeled taxi, download the app today. We've got the opportunity to head across to China now. St Kilda have made the trip. They're going to host Port Adelaide on Sunday. Brett Ratton, who's such a relevant conversation, not only for his club, but for what the future looks like. He is with us in Shanghai. Brett, welcome to Crunch Time. How are you, Thomas? What have you seen of Shanghai so far? It's very, very busy. Um, there are lots of people and uh, the humidity's up a little bit, but um, what an amazing city. And uh, you know, if you told me 25 years ago uh, footy would be played over here, I'd be like, no, no chance at all. But uh, it's amazing. What have you done since you've arrived? 
We we've trained uh, we've trained once. We had our, our main training session yesterday. Uh, the boys went off and did some weights afterwards. But we've had our meetings as usual. Um, nothing's really changed a lot. But um, I think it's more post the game. The players will get out a bit, but uh, really concentrating on just keeping our routine the same. Um, yeah, because we don't want to sort of yes, it is international. It is different, but we want to keep us uh, our routine as as close to uh, the same as in Melbourne. So what have been the peculiarities? Obviously, you bit of, bit of, did a bit of hothouse training before you left. Is, what, are, what are the particular challenges in it? Well, it's just acclimatising to, to the, uh, the humidity. Um, it is a bit hotter over here. It's sort of that 29 to 31. And sometimes it does, uh, you know, the heat doesn't really come out that much. But when the sun does break, it does get quite warm. So for the players to come from 11 or 12 in Melbourne to that type of heat, um, it can knock them around a little bit. But overall, the players have adjusted really well. And we're really excited to, uh, you know, take up uh, the challenge of, you know, Port Adelaide, which both teams sit five and five. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's virtually a double a double point game for both teams. Rats, uh, good luck. Most people see it as a, a real 50-50 game. What do you say to those that sort of give maybe marginally the advantage to Port Adelaide because they've done the trip a couple of times before? Do you, do you think that's any advantage at all? Uh, maybe from a routine point of view, they might, uh, they might understand, I suppose, you know, getting to the ground, the traffic and a few little things like that. But really... Most of the times when you play and and you're interstate, it's more about your mindset. If you if you get caught up in you know the uh, everything around you and don't create the right environment, I think you can get uh, you know worrying about you know oh have a look at the buildings and, and you waver from football and that's what we're here to do. So they've got a slight advantage in that area, but for our boys, they know what they're here for and, and we just focus on what we can control. And you know this is our first time; we'll get three goes at it. But uh, yeah, maybe they've got a slight advantage, but we don't think it's much. Um, the advantage that I sort of see going the other way is uh, they've got a, quite a few of their midfielders not really there at the moment. Rockcliffe not coming up, Wines, uh, Ebert not being there. You've had the ability with Jack Steele to be able to tag. I mean, if you can do a number on somebody like a Travis Boak, I mean, all of a sudden it does have them a little bit thin in that area. Well, it's going to be a running game. The, the ground size and the shape, and then with the conditions, you you're going to have to have a team that can run all day. Um, that'll be pretty important. So, you know, hopefully uh, we get the uh, work done around the ball. They bring Lysette back in and Ryder, so they're going to have a, a really good ruck combination. So, our boys in the midfield have to really get their hands dirty and and win a fair bit of ball because we know. The Port team are a territory team. They get it inside. I think they average about 60 a game. So we need the ball in our half and around the midfield to be so critical uh, for doing that for our, for our group. Rats, Derm here. Good luck for the uh, for the game. Now, can you tell us a bit about the logistic, yeah, the logistics of the situation? I mean, so many people say you turn up, you play your game of footy, but the amount of gear you have to carry, getting it, on the plane, the amount of cases, cartons, all those types of things, even the food intake over there. Where's all that coming from? How's it all been uh, organised? Well, all the food has been organised by a dietitian. She, she came over early, Ali, and uh, she's organised all the food. So the players, we, you know, and uh, last night they went out for meals, uh, their own meals, and they had three restaurants to go. So they could choose. So, you know, we've had people come over and have a look and sort of... Uh, make sure that everything's right 
from a gear point of view, we're probably about the same, so that's okay. But we probably had a little bit of an issue or a hiccup where the plane got delayed a bit, so it took a while. So the group that was supposed to leave the day before ended up getting in about 10 minutes before our flight. So <laughs> there was a little bit of a hiccup there, but really uh, we weren't training until the next day and things like that. But And then you got the visas. So to come to China, you've got to get a visa in place. So there's a lot of work done beforehand to make sure that you know, and, and when you're trying to pick a team uh, six weeks before you fly over, um, nearly every player on the list had to have their visa done as well. So passports, visas, all those things. But it's gone pretty smooth. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful city and, um, yeah, so touch wood, it, it goes to plan. Yeah, and you mentioned before, you know, it could turn into a bit of a running game because of the ground. What are the dimensions of the ground? I was there last year and it, it looked pretty big, but sometimes, you know, looks can be deceiving. How is it How is it against league standard in size and shape and also surface? The surface is immaculate. Um, it's, the surface is beautiful. Um, yeah, Richo was talking yesterday, he thought it was felt a bit Caninia Park-like, you know, the, the Geelong ground down there. I was, I was speaking in old terms now with the, the name of Caninia Park. But, um, yeah, it, 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 seemed, it seemed fairly similar to that. The pockets or the, on the uh, the 50, between the 50 and, say, the 20 metres out from golf seem quite wide. So players might get a, a real good look at golf from a wide angle at times. So it does feel quite big. But um, it's an amazing place with the uh, the stands and that. As you mentioned, you went last year. That, that looks amazing. Because um, it's a parade ground. It's a parade ground, Rats, and, and, and they did a study yeah. on all of uh, China and out of uh, one billion people that lived there, there were, I think, 21 surfaces that they could actually erect AFL posts on that they could fit a ground on. Only 21 outdoor spaces that would cater to AFL football in the entirety of China with a population of one billion people. Yeah, well, they've been using it for a golf range, and they've been using it for baseball. So um, when the when the stands come down and the marquees and the fencing that they've got there, the goalposts, it'll go back to the to the golf range and uh, baseball when they use it. So uh, it's a huge surface. I think that part is about two hundred and eighty metres long, but we've you know cut it off and put marquees and things around the AFL have done that, and it looks uh, it looks great. Brett, Bob here. It's an unusual build-up to a game in an unusual location, but I want to ask you about Jaron Geary, the skipper, with with his with his unusual injury. How, how's he faring? He's going well, Bob. He's, um, you know, I think the uh, the photographs and uh, the images that came from from that corky and that was, um, you know, pretty gruesome. Um, he's bloody tough. He's, you know, he's been trying to get back for a few weeks, even though he's. Yeah, just been out in the track for a short time, and they were just worried about probably the, the scarring and making sure that couldn't burst open again with a knock. So um, he's right to go now, but um, he's done everything. Um, yeah, he's a little warrior, and he, he keeps turning up even through you know, adversity at times. So um, it was a brutal injury, and um, for him to get in the hospital and sit there for seven days and leave that wound open, um, you know, and then just really bounce back and still try and lead the footy club even though he wasn't there he was trying to get to the club as much as he as much as possible and um you know he's a fantastic skipper and i've been so impressed with him you know a new person coming into the football club and you know him the way he leads the person he is and you know maybe with a bit more success at the club he would be as rated as highly as some of the the great leaders of the competition because um it passed he's 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 a ripper. Can I ask you, there's been a lot of talk about the expertise that you've brought to the Saints, but someone with coaching aspirations 
like yourself. What what have you learned so far in your in your time at, at the Saints? Um, I've I've been impressed with you know I suppose when you deal with the coach himself, um, you know I've worked with Richo at the Blues, so uh, we go back a fair way. But you know it was great for me to come in, um, you know fresh fresh place, fresh people, and then we start to implement the game plan and go through what worked for us as a team and what did it do to suit our list. So to sit down with the coaches, I've been yeah, I've been really impressed with Richo really delegating a lot and giving, you know, it takes courage to hand it over um, and not just control everything. And he's been fantastic in that space. And I've really enjoyed working at St Kilda. The people and the, and the players have been so receptive to, you know, new, new thoughts, change of game plan. Um, they're bringing a lot of energy and they're playing with a lot of spirit. And um, that's something that I've, I've really enjoyed being at St Kilda. The facilities, the new facilities has really helped um, the playing group to be back at Moorabbin. Um, it keeps everyone close and, you know, that's where they've been for so long and um, it's like going back home for those players. So um, I've been I've been really impressed with uh, the Saints. It's, um, you know, it's, um, I suppose sometimes you need change as a coach, me personally, um, and it was, it's been really good for me. Brett, I expect in every interview you do for the rest of the year, you'll be asked about the senior coaching future. How have you decided to, to approach it and to handle it? Oh, it, it, It'll be what it'll be. Um, I've been in the game a fair, a fair while now in the coaching ranks, and um, you know, it'll just water will find its own level with that. Um, I'm really enjoying St Kilda, and we have a job to do, and I'll focus on that. But whatever happens, happens. I've, I enjoy coaching. I, I love it. Um, you know, working with players and trying to develop people. So, um, you know, I've had a probably, uh, you know, to pretty much get thrown into a senior role at a young age. Maybe it was a bit too quick. And then to learn from Clarko and now the experience at St Kilda has probably helped round me off as a coach. So whatever happens, it will happen down the track. But uh, really concentrating on getting his four points over here and, um, yeah, concentrating on my role at St Kilda. So whenever you might be asked to to enter a process or to make a presentation, do you, do you think you will do that? I'll have a serious look at it, yeah. Yep. Brett, thanks yep. for joining us and uh, the very best of luck over there. Thanks, fellas. Take care. Brett Ratton, Senior Assistant Coach at St Kilda over in Shanghai ahead of tomorrow's encounter with Port Adelaide. More of crunch time after the break with Terry Wallace, Dermot Burton, Bob Murphy and Jared Waitley. Go behind the stories with Damian Barrett in his new podcast, In the Game, every Thursday. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is the deal at Honda? Seven-year warranty and roadside assist across a great range. Search Honda offers. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. We'll cast an eye toward the remainder of round 11 in a moment's time at the MCG. It's heavily overcast. It feels like the first Saturday of winter. Fremantle have travelled to face Collingwood. No change to this. No change on either side with the Giants and the Suns to meet. Before we do that, the, the curious issue which arose late yesterday was the reporting of a Richmond cheer squad member who's been banned for three matches for calling the umpire a green maggot. Maggot. I heard, uh, I didn't think it was real. Jeez, you would have lost. It is real. You would have lost all of Victoria. You're telling me now it's real. You would have lost all yep. of Victoria Park at one stage. <laughs> <laughs> a green maggot. Uh, so the AFL is at pains to say this is not them, that they haven't had a hand in this, that this is Richmond dealing with its own. I feel like if you're going to take this step, it, it has to be declared, doesn't it? Because in your armory as a supporter, 
you're not anticipating. If this is to be judged at face value, you're not anticipating calling the umpire a maggot, which has been uh, age-old, whether it's derogatory or not. It has been age-old. We need a bit of a flag to go, hey, you can't do this anymore. Just can I interject here? Yeah. Is there a hidden camera in here or something trying to <laughs> no, shut no, us no, up? No, no. I'm not stand with you, Darren. Are you being serious here? I'm being serious. So not only are you not being, you're not being marched out, but you're actually missing you're three games. You're banned for three games. You're banned. Forgetting it. Yeah. yeah. If you're a supporter here, you, you've actually got the rights to go, hey, just... If we're reframing the parameters, tell us what the parameters are. Yeah. And get the colours right. You know, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> or is that, why, of... is that why you got three? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people who, for some reason, because he's probably the most noticeable of the umpires, Razor Ray, who take issue with him. I think he's fantastic, and he is one of the umpires who says, openly says, I think as a fraternity, we are probably a little precious, uh, and we're not all that often held accountable. We probably should be held a bit more accountable. And this is completely in the opposite direction. At clubland level, um, I, I think there's so much more the umpires can do for themselves. Uh, there is. We know there's a border there's a line, there's a delineation yeah. for somewhere. I'm just not sure about... you would know you're on the wrong side of that line. So part of the explanation was be passionate, go your hardest, but there, there's a clear line of behaviour you can't stray across. I don't think you'd have any clue of realising you'd strayed across that line with the phrase green maggot. Yeah, I, I think you'd even get away with something, your adjective, put in whatever adjective you want, kidding, and that probably is more offensive, but... You get away with that. So I think if the idea of improving industry-wide attitudes towards umpires has merit, but I'd... you've got to have the conversation. Like, you have mm. to have the conversation with us. Do you think uh, they need to be more open? I heard your conversation that you had with the... Graham Annesley uh, from the NRL. NRL. I think that would help. Yeah. I think if instead of defending every decision is to go, hey, hey, <laughs> this one, it's wrong, and this goes into all of it, I think that would help the people. Now, the people have then a responsibility to be mature about it, and that's what would be a wrestle for us. But if we're seriously going to have the let's improve umpires towards attitudes, bring us on the journey. Whoever mm. they, whether it's the AFL, whether it's the clubs, bring us all on the journey. How and why and what are our responsibilities? Picking off a member of the tier squad in the circumstances we're being told, that doesn't help anyone. So you're, you're seeing as a bit of low-hanging fruit. That... Well, it feels that way. Um, and all that does is build others. resentment. Mm. See, you sacrifice one to educate a thousand, except what's the... I don't understand what the education tool is in yes. this. Yeah. Bring us along. Tell us. Name names, How Jared. and the why. Whose who's wheelhouse is that at Richmond? Um, no, if it's industry-wide, <laughs> it's got to be the AFL. But that's... but. You said it's come from Richmond. Well, that's what the AFL is telling us, is that this is a Richmond initiative. Well, if... Yeah. Where's Patrick? Patrick Keane, get him on the line. <laughs> it's not his portfolio anymore. But, oh. um, <laughs> get him yeah. anyway. Give us a chance. Give us a chance yeah. to all be part of this if you want. If that's what you want, give people a chance. That but seems sensible. Pinging blokes yeah. off for three weeks for a green maggot. Oh, I don't know where that leaves us. Um, this afternoon, Freo got any shot of troubling Collingwood? Yes, uh, given that this ground is nice and wide open. And Collingwood give everyone a shot. Collingwood are a damn good team. 
But the way they play, they do have a bit of risk in there. Any team which is willing to use the ball, massage the ball around as much as they do, means that there is they, they can be prone to over um, over possessing. Well, Dan, and they're not a team. Of, there is two or three, and you only need one. There are two or three blokes. As an opposition player, you'd say, I like the ball being in his hands, and he has to take on this kick, and he's got to thread the eye of the needle. You, you feel good about it. I was just going to say, just... Uh Take the last three weeks, Carlton, St Kilda, and Sydney. Mm. Every one of them, at some stage in late in the game, you thought they're a chance. Yeah, they're a chance here against you know what is a very good Collingwood side. Terry, what's at stake tomorrow afternoon at this ground when Essendon and Carlton meet? Oh, a heck of a lot, <laughs> Jared. A heck of a lot. I think there's more at stake for Essendon. I mean, their coach come out during the week and sort of said, "Oh, I've coached finals once." just missed finals once and we're intending to play finals this year they're not playing finals this year if they don't beat Carlton tomorrow I mean that's that's I think it's got to that stage but also said he felt like he'd only been coaching the list for one year which I thought was strange when he sort of said well mate, yeah I've coached finals and nearly coached yeah. finals I mean, they're not excuses but there are reasons why mm-hmm. teams lose and reasons why they get on think runs we, now who I would, wins tomorrow uh, I think Essendon I think Essendon win. Would not be surprised at all if Carlton put in the, the effort and performance and it comes together like they did against Collingwood for 95% of the match. They probably win. So I look at Essendon right now and say, um, yeah, there's reasons why they aren't a 6-4 a, a team as to where they are now um, with the massive injuries they've had. But... There are times we've seen in the in the brief period that has just been where they go off the boil, whether yep. they've got good players in or not. Bob, enjoy the Giants and the Suns. Thanks, boys. Good to chat. Crunch time. Bobby. Know what the H you're getting. Ask, uh, search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. And if you're coming to the footy this weekend, don't forget to grab your AFL record. Still just five bucks thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. Too hard on Daisy. Oh. <laughs>